Okay, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Prison Plex. So today, I want to talk about uh, somebody I met in 97, 98. Yeah, around that time. I was on uh, in state prison. I was still in Texas State Prison at Rock and Robbins. I was in SEG, ad SEG, you know, spent 23 hours a day by myself. And uh, so they brought this guy in. His name's JJ. He was TM, Texas Mafia. So he came from another unit. You know, I think uh, uh, Beeville, McConnell unit in Beeville. So, uh, you know, he's he's there. He gets to know a few people. And, and there wasn't very many of his people around on that unit, TM. Because you have to understand, uh, like on certain units, they'll let certain people walk certain gangs or whatever they'll let them walk in peace you know as long as they don't try to recruit nobody or as long as they don't try to make no demands or nothing but there's some people that they won't let walk at all as soon as they find out who they are they'll smash them or kill them or whatever it depends how bad the war is if it's a a war they're going to kill them but if it's just you know beat them up and get them off the unit that's what they do but anyway so this dude JJ, we got—he was my next door neighbor, and uh, we got to know each other. And, and uh, he told me, he goes, "Hey man, you know who Jimmy Johnson is? You know the—he used to be the coach for the Cowboys." I'm like, "Of course, dude. I grew up in Fort Worth, of course." He goes, "That's my uncle." And you know, and I, I didn't say anything at first because, look, you got to understand it. back in prison, first of all, there's a bunch of liars, but in ad seg, you know, I've met people that have been back there for eight, 10 years, 12 years in that cell by themselves, you know, 23 hours a day, they're by themselves. And they, they start talking to themselves and cutting themselves and, or, I mean, live some imaginary life or something. So when this dude said, you know, Jimmy Johnson was his uncle. I'm like, well, okay, <laughs> tell him hi, you know. And uh, but he goes, no, nah, man, for real. He goes, look, check it out. Shoot me your line. And I had a little some twine there that I had made, and we passed things back and forth, books or food or whatever. So I shoot him my line, and he shot me his photo album. And he goes, start from page one. And uh, so I open it, and he goes, "That's me and Jimmy." And he, yeah, it's he's sitting there uh, hugging Jimmy. You know, they're side by side, and uh, his mother is Jimmy's sister. So they were they were on Jimmy at this time. Jimmy was with the Miami Dolphins organization already. He was uh, coaching them, and he had actually sent letters to the Texas Parole Board saying if they parole JJ that he guaranteed him a job in the Miami organization. You know, we used to kid him, say, yeah, they're going to have you uh, uh, sniffing the, the all the jock straps or, you know, uh, uh, putting up all the jock straps and stuff. Anyway, so, and then, like I say, there's pictures on the yacht and, and all kinds of stuff. And I was like, man, that's what's up. But listen there's a lot of hateful envious people in prison so when people found out that he was related to him man it, 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 some people were cool with it and you know like you know and uh wanted to just hear stories or whatever but other people just were hating you know 
So uh, there was this little dude from Houston up there, Tiger. You know, they call him Tigre in Spanish, you know, Tigre. And I think he was MS-13, but he wasn't all tatted up. But he was from uh, Central America. And uh, so, see, my my cell was right by the day room. You Look, so like every pod on that particular unit had seven cells downstairs and seven cells, cells upstairs. This particular unit it was only two tiers in SEG. In general population, it was three tiers. Okay, but in SEG, it's only two. So, um, my cell is right in front of the day room because you have the cells on one side and then you have just a big cage. It's like a big kennel. Okay, and they have a toilet, a TV, and a pull-up bar in there. So, you go in there for one hour and then you come out and go back to your cell. See, that's why I said I'd go months without coming out. But for what? I'm going to come out for one hour? No. Anyway, so... Um, Tigre was in the day room one time standing at the edge of the the cage the day room and talking to me just you know five six feet away so we're sitting there talking and JJ came and said something to me and kind of interrupted but he, he didn't mean nothing by it but oh uh, Tigre took offense you know so we didn't think nothing of it you know so they start running showers and look the op we're high security, okay? We're maximum security back there. Everybody back there is assaultive or gang members. So um, the officers are not, you're never supposed to be unescorted. Every time I leave that cell, I'm supposed to have handcuffs on, even to the shower. They handcuff you, then open your door, pull you out, take you to the shower, close the door, then unhandcuff you. That's just the way it is. Well, these particular officers, like most of them, were lazy and sorry. So they're in the up there in the picket just popping doors, you know, electronically. They just open the door. So after breakfast, I think Tigre saw who was working and knew they wouldn't be coming around much. So he jammed his door with some cardboard. They give us little cereal boxes and seg to eat breakfast. And he kept some of the cardboard and he jammed his door. So they start calling showers, and he knows where J.J. lives, okay? So when J.J., I showered, I went out and showered and came back. They popped the doors. I just went in, closed my door, and then J.J.'s next, and they call his cell number. Hey, 28, you ready to shower? You know, and he, so yeah, he, as soon as he comes out, he comes out, and then he closes his door. When his door slams shut, you hear a door upstairs open. Tigre, he done opened his door, and he comes running out, you know, and uh, he's fully dressed, and J.J.'s in his boxers and, and flip-flops, you know. So, uh, man, he comes down them steps and just goes at him, and J.J. drops his towel in his soap dish, and he, you know, poses up. He's fixing to throw and uh, old little Tigre, he came down with a handful of powdered bleach, Bippy. It's a cleaner we use in there for stainless steel and stuff. It's like a bleaching agent. And uh, so he comes with a handful, and he acts like he's going to throw a little punch, and he throws that Bippy in J.J.'s face, man, you know. 
And uh, so he can't see. Of course, he folds up or he tries to. And man, this that little Mexican just came in and just started working him. Ribs, head, moving to the side, kicking, knee. He Then somebody started yelling, screaming. Because look, yeah, at the time, everybody got along in there. But when shit breaks down, man, that animal instinct comes out. And people were yelling, break his knee, break his knee, and this and that. And, and you know, and, and by this time, I mean, as soon as the dude comes running down the steps, the, the guards in the picket start freaking. You know, they know they're in trouble. So they, they come in. When, as soon as that door pops where they're going to come in the law, Tigre j- runs upstairs, goes to the cell, closes the door, and, and acts like nothing. So they come in, and, and, and oh, boy's busted up, man. His nose, eyes, lips, you know. And he's got white powder all over him. He looks like a clown, kind of. You know, he's powder face and then blood. It looked funny as shit. Anyway, uh, so they don't want to make a big deal about it, the law. They don't want to call the rank or nothing because they're going to be in trouble, probably fired for letting people go unescorted. That's a major violation because of shit just like that that just happened. Hey, man, I've seen motherfuckers come out and stab people with the guards right there. I'm telling you, they're not playing. Anyway, so uh, they, uh, they, they, you know what? They quash it. They squashed it. Say, hey, man, look, everything's all good. We'll talk to this fool. We ain't going to let him out. Wah, wah, wah. We'll jack him for a meal or two. You know, they won't give him a plate to eat or something. He didn't care. Anyway, and this little Mexican was stocky, man. He fucking, all he did was push up. So his upper body, man, he was, he was lit. You know, skinny legs, but his upper body was he looked funny. Anyway, so, uh, all right, they don't move him. They don't do nothing because they can't get the ranking bob. All right, so a week goes by. It's no big deal. All right, now my neighbor on the other side of me, Dorado, this Mexican out of Cali, he had fell in, in El Paso, and uh, he was from Cali. He had was there with the Rodney King riots and stuff, okay? And uh, he was always telling the stories about uh, about that. You know, so I don't know what the deal is with him and Tiger. I, after this incident, I thought I started thinking, man, Tiger's fucking crazy. This dude done lost his fucking mind because he used to be down there talking to me and Dorado. We'd be standing up there talking to him. You know, he passes hour talking to somebody instead of just being out there walking in circles in the day room like so many other people do. So, um, all right. So here they call Dorado shower. You know, and he comes out, boom, as soon as that door shuts, you hear the door up there again. And man, I'm like, what the? I was laying down on the bunk reading. And when I heard Dorado's door shut and then I heard another door open, man, I jumped up out of my bunk. And uh, man, it was Tigre again. And this time he had a fucking shank with him. And man, uh, hey, they started fighting and Dorado was putting it on him hey he stuck him a few times uh, tigre stuck dorado a few times in the stomach but that little fucking shank was only a couple inches you know just a couple inches it just opened him up like flayed his skin open and, and it looked ugly but it wasn't that bad but anyway but dorado pieced him up man i mean every time he hit him he'd knot him up eyes knots on his forehead broke his nose i mean he pieced him up good and once again Oh, and one of the times when Dorado hit him, he knocked him down, and hit, that dude dropped his fucking ray, little shank, 
And the dude that was at the day room at that time, this dude they called Droopy, uh, he fucking reached out, grabbed that fucking razor, went over there to the toilet and flushed it. And the law is all, everybody's right there looking. They're yelling for this motherfucker, for them to stop and this and that. And he just grabs it. And they're saying, don't give me that, give me that. And he just looks over at him and says, man, fuck you, and flushes it. You know, and uh, so uh, they broke it up. And uh, once again, they didn't want to call the rank, man. But now there's blood and shit everywhere, so they had to, you know. And uh, so that, you know, started everything again. You know, like, well, what the fuck? Who is this dude? Why is he, you know? And uh, and JJ was like, man, he wanted to. He's like, how do you keep the? How do you jam these doors open? I'm like, man, look, just keep some of that cardboard, dude. They're gonna, it's gonna show red up there. And they're going to holler at you, tell you to shut your door. All you got to do is just shake it. Just shake it. And they'll hear it and they'll think it's a malfunction. So they'll leave you alone. So he wanted to get Tiger. He wanted him. You know, he wanted to get him. And, uh, but anyway, oh, and, uh, the, 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 like, so after JJ had got, uh, beat up, there was a couple of dudes up there that were, uh, Aryan Brotherhood of Texas and Area Circle. There was a few different families, white white dudes up there. So uh, they were yelling down there at him. Hey, uh, why don't you tell Jimmy to send somebody to help you? Or, you know, just shit like that. Going to bring Jimmy into the, the fucking fight in prison, you know. Or maybe they'll throw a flag, tell him unnecessary roughness. The most stupid shit, you know. That's the way people in prison are. But anyway... So that's just like one. I've ran into a whole a bunch of different people in, in all this time I've done in prison. But Jimmy was all right. And, and everything, JJ was cool. His name was James. They named him after Jimmy. But uh, everything he said about Jimmy was good. He's a classy guy. Because I'm telling you, all them other dudes that, that, that were, you know, the AB and all that, when they would talk to him, they would ask him, you know, because they're racist, you know, that white supremacists, they'd ask, what's Jimmy really like? Does he really like blacks and all that? And, uh, you know, and, and J.J., he said, man, Jimmy's don't see color. We do. He don't. Because J.J. was, you know, half-ass racist, too. But, all right, I, I don't know. He might be out. Oh, and uh, so there, let me add this little part, and it's kind of messed up on my, my, my part that I helped him. But so there was a a power struggle within that Texan maf- Texas mafia at that time. This was like 97, 98, you know, right around there. And uh, he had wrote a letter out, you know, uh, saying that the guy that was in charge of that particular compound was no longer in charge. He had messed up, and they were designating J.J. as the top dog on that unit. And he gave me that letter, and, and, and you know, he paid me. He paid me because I had a typewriter. That's why I wrote my books and everything, my short stories, you know. He says, hey, Bobby, I'm, I'm putting my life in your hands, man. Don't tell nobody about this, and do me a favor and just write this letter, you know, and uh, I'll pay you. On store day, just make me a list what you want, and uh, I got you. So I did. I typed it up for him and gave it to him, and he passed it around to his people in population, showing that he was a new top dog. You know what? But uh, 
I made a carbon copy of it. I copied stuff for people because they knew I was neutral. There was a dude from RU, Raza Unida, another group from uh, Corpus Christi. And uh, he asked me to type up some shit for him. And when I read it, I was nervous because if I'd have got caught in there, I could have caught a conspiracy case. You hear me? It was, it was, uh, it had a bunch of shit of the when they started their family, why, where, how, who had to die, and, and all kinds of stuff. And I typed it up. It was about 15, 20 pages and gave it back to him. But you know what? I kept it. I made a carbon of that too because it had a lot of history, gang history, not just theirs, of other history. Things that were starting up in 82, 83, 84 when the gang started, the war started. It had so much shit in there that I couldn't just throw it away. I had to make a copy. And I got it out. When I left in 2000, probably about three years later, those 20 pages, I had probably 2,000 typed up pages, manuscripts, rough drafts, notes, everything, and I just shoved them all in there, you know, and then I, when I got home, I got them out, and, and I ended up using a lot of that stuff in my books and stories, that's just, that's just what I do, you know, that's why it's so real, but uh, anyway, all right, I, I got something else I'm going to put together in a little bit, all right, y'all.